You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Um, guys, uh, we've been trying to get to Mark here for a couple of days, uh, whether it's you know children and daddy Ubering or weather, those issues. But we got Mark Schofield here, host of Locked On Patriots, inside the pylon, and a bunch of writing everywhere. Uh, we're going to break down a bunch of stuff here. Baker Mayfield, if I want to talk quarterbacks, I go to my quarterback and Mark Schofield, so we're going to do that. Uh, Patriots are on the schedule here this year, so we'll have some fun with that as well. Uh, we're going to get into your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, your local experts on all the biggest stories with Mr. Mark Schofield, brought to you tonight by Hotels.com. Get rewarded. Use Hotels.com. Small getaways, big getaways. There's still some time left the summer 2019. Take advantage of it. Uh, use Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded everywhere. First things first, Mr. Mark Schofield. How we doing, bud? Doing well, buddy. Doing well. We are finally through that real dead period of the summer, that like late June, early July stretch where there's nothing to talk about. We've got training camps open and we've got people with pads on so we can finally actually talk about football once again. Although, to be honest, now we're yelling about one-on-one drills and whose routes are better. And it's almost like, can we just skip past this part and get to the games? Because the debates now are even worse than the debates from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but at least it's a football thing. And and the one thing, and Pete Smith and I, the one thing we keep saying is the only thing you can really talk about for the last two to three weeks are bad things. It's you know somebody's right. discretions off the fields or any of that. But this is where we're at, Mark. The family, Mrs. Schofield, the kids, and I kind of vicariously get to remember those days from you because now I've got like two bratty preteen daughters. How are you guys all doing? You know, it's you know it's summertime. Daddy's busting his butt with football. Mommy's out every day. How's everybody holding up? Um, thanks for asking, buddy. Everybody's holding up well. Um, excited about the you know the kids are in camp and, and they're digging that. And this is Simone's first summer camp experience. Um, it's just a day camp, but they're loving it. They're doing pools and water slides and all that kind of stuff. Getting the family ready for a little bit of a move, moving into a little bit of a bigger house. So we're excited about that. Um, Daddy's going to get an actual office so I can get away from doing pods at the dining room table while the kids are trying to sleep. So that's going to be exciting. But it's been a good summer, buddy. How about you? Um, I'll just tell you this now, Mark. Um, let's see. I, I think they're about, what, third grade, kindergarten. So where you're headed about three, four years from now. Um, they kind of come in like we were when we were teenagers. They come in. They shower. They empty out. A backpack of clo- dirty clothes. On a good day, they'll put them in a hamper. Um, on a bad, on a good day, which <laughs> one out of ten, um, they'll shower. They'll put on some fresh clothes. They'll put some clothes into that backpack. They ask for money, and then they're usually back on their way. So this is where you're headed. I'm just, just, just a little tidbit. It's yeah. fun. I love it, but this is what's going on. Yeah, I mean, we were talking the other day about it, and I was like, you know, there's a part of me, Jeff, that's really looking forward to that, because, you know, right now, it's, you know, they're still pretty needy, but there is a part of me that's like, I don't want those days to come, you know, I kind of like it when they're a little bit more dependent, because, you know, the, the idea that they're going to be sort of independent and out and on their own, and just kind of using this place as like a hotel or a bed and breakfast, I don't know, it's got some pros and cons to it, I think. 
It certainly does. Um, but for me, with two daughters, and there's things like they talk to their mom, and it's it goes on for 45 minutes. And look, a lot of it is boy related. I'm not going right. to lie. Um, but for me, is I can give them a. I was a 12 and a half year old boy. I know how they think, and so right. that's where I come in. And we actually have our first relationship that we're dealing with now. Big time. Yes, uh, switch hitting shortstop also is a really good pitcher. We caught a game within the last week. Um, as far as that model, yeah, we're good. Um, but the other thing is, hand extended. Hey, Mr. Lloyd, thanks for coming to the game. I was like, it, I looked at my wife and I'm like, yeah, that's what works. That's there what you works. Go. You still want a gentleman in these days. But we're gonna of get course. To, we're gonna get some we're gonna get some football. We're gonna get some stuff. Um, it's been a while, Mark, and this is the cool thing with Skype is it always lets you know the last time you talked with somebody, so it's obviously been a while. But, um, Mark, with Baker Mayfield, with this Cleveland Browns, just give me something here just based on year one, and this is where I go through with some of these people, and apparently in our buddy Michael Kist, every now and then you throw out these things and a fan base comes at you. So now it's been the New York Giants, and it's, you know, Baker's not that great. Odell was never that great. But we're talking about a guy who threw 27 touchdown passes in 13 games. And he did it in, like, a really, really bad situation to start. A really awkward position to end his rookie season. But sometimes, you know, the the lamest of terms, the cream rises above. It kind of seemed like it really did with Baker through year one. It certainly did, Jeff. And, you know, we've talked about Baker a couple of times. And I think anybody that saw, you know, how his rookie year began that Thursday night or against the Jets, you know, had a sense that it was a different team, a different offense when he stepped onto the field. It was a different stadium when he stepped onto the field. And, you know, when you talk about the quarterback position, when you think about the quarterback position, you cannot, uh, you can't give enough credence to the idea that, play in this position just generally just conceptually is in large part about leadership and it's in large part about being an inspirational leader a focus of the offense and baker delivers that you know from day one for this franchise but anybody that studied baker anybody that followed baker anybody that you know whether it was the senior bowl or his pro day that has been around him knows the kind of electric personality that he is he was that way at the senior bowl when he was down there you, you could tell when baker was at lad peebles because the environment was just different the electricity was certainly in the air and so that's a huge part of what he is and who he is as a quarterback the other thing to sort of keep in mind though is that you know w- with baker you saw him have to do some things last year that he might not have to do as much of in the year ahead the impact of having you know an odell beckham on this offense is going to be big the you know moves that they've made and the coaching staff low and the ability to have both Freddie Kitchens as a head coach and Todd Mokin as an offensive coordinator who are a bit more open to what Baker wants to do um, than the previous regime was is going to be huge for him and his development. I mean, you, you saw sort of down the stretch uh, with this team, with this offense last year, they were doing things like that Baltimore game going four or five wide at times, you know, really sort of t- trying to run designs and concepts of Baker's more familiar with, more comfortable with, and really sort of tailoring this offense to his skill set. And then when you bring in Odell Beckham, who's going to bring a number of you know different things that he can do for this offense, whether it's in the shallow 
area of the field. He's an incredible route runner, you know, shallow crossers, slants, you know, routes that he can, Baker can get the ball out of his hands quickly and you can still hit home runs with them because of how well Odell moves. And then sort of a vertical element that perhaps was missing at times last year, you know, Callaway brought some of that to the table, but he's certainly not the vertical threat that an Odell is. So this offense has a tremendous amount of potential to it. And then when you think about the fact, look, you know, Nick Chubb, who was a fantastic running back prospect, you're going to get, you know, what he can bring to the table, as well as down the road when Kareem Hunt comes back, you saw how Andy Reid used him in that offense. This has an offense that has potential to really put up points. And when you pair that with a defense at last year that was so good at getting takeaways, but the offense would often fail to capitalize on those turnovers, it's, a, it's, the, it's the reason why there is such buzz about this team right now. And that's even the funny thing. It seemed like they created a bunch of turnovers in the brief time Tyrod Taylor was running this offense, and obviously they couldn't capitalize on it. Um, now Baker, you know, house money is the way he's going to view it at view that all that as and you bring in odell and mark you know that that is my guy so to get guy man you were in on day one so to get to do this every day in a cover odell and look there'll be weeks where it's you know four for 69 68 and nothing else more but that'll open up everything for everybody else. And it, there's, you know, three other wide receivers who are certainly capable. David Njoku, and even when Kareem comes back, I mean, you're talking about, you know, just on the field, a, a fantastic receiving back as far as, you know, what he can bring to the table, you know, as a runner as well. And like I, you know, Mark, we always talk about stuff like this and formations and things of that, you know, two backs, nobody gets excited about that 21 formation or anything where the two's in the front, but Baker in gun, Kareem to one side, Nick to the other, somebody motions out and all the things you can do, which is a joy for a guy like Freddie Kitchens. But I just want to go here. Um, bringing Freddie into this fold and, and giving him this gig after, you know, Baker went from Lincoln Riley and then having Hugh in his ear and then having Haley in his ear and then Freddie, obviously. How important was it to keep Freddie and not go completely just throw everybody out of the building and now Baker Mayfield here in less than essentially 20 months having a new fifth and sixth guy in his ear because that that's one thing and and everybody you know jets where i am you know as a jersey guy and what i grew up with it's you don't want to put too much on a young guy too early and when it's you know constantly changing voices that's a difficult thing to do because you're just flim flamming back and forth from what you're being told I think that's one of the reasons which the biggest advantages for Freddie Kitchens was is the fact that they had a good relationship and you know his pro career started poorly as far as the influences he had. And it was like, all right, well, let's just stick with this because this is really freaking working. Yeah, and it makes sense when you think about the landscape of the NFL right now, the competitive advantage that you have as a team with a rookie quarterback on that rookie deal. You want to sort of maximize that window, and you want to sort of load up and make that run. We've seen it with the Rams and what they've done. We saw it last year with Chicago, and now we're seeing it play out again with with Cleveland. With Baker on that rookie deal, it gives you sort of the financial flexibility and the head cap room to begin with anyway. You know, going back to Sashi Brown, 
you know, Sashi died so Freddie Kitchens and Baker can live. And with that sort of flexibility, they can go out and they can acquire guys like Odell. But the, at the heart of it all, of course, is making sure that that rookie quarterback not only has talent around him, but it is in a position to be comfortable and to be successful. And by hiring Freddie as the head coach, by going and getting Todd Mulkin, it's buying full in to that idea that we have to build this around Baker. You know, we used to see so many times, so many franchises get a young quarterback and it's like, okay, now you're here. This is how we do things. And you're going to have to sort of run what we want. That's out the window now. That sort of three-year development window is gone. You can't waste that three-year period or so waiting for your rookie quarterback to figure it out while you've got them at such a low salary vis-a-vis the rest of the league and the rest of the positions and the rookie salary scale. And so you have to sort of maximize that window, and that's what smart franchises have done, whether it's the Rams, whether it's the Bears last year, now Cleveland. It maximizes that window. So you can go from a team picking at the top of the draft one year to the next year being a division favorite because you've acquired new talent and you've got that rookie quarterback on that rookie scale playing well. And that's what the Browns have done. They've followed the model of teams like Chicago and L.A. And it's you can see it paying off for them right away. Uh, and obviously, you know, the additions they've made, you know, in key spots, they've played this very well and put themselves in a very, very good position. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit here with Mark Schofield in a bit here. Uh, Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving locked on listeners $100 in free delivery credit for the first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code capital L locked capital O N on. Go ahead and check out Postmates and always appreciate the sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Mark, what is the biggest pitfalls for any quarterback going into year two? I mean, there's always the you know, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, now we got some film on you. Now we've got a history on you. Um, the one thing is, you know, everybody, like, like they're trying to bring up Baker's intercept, interception rate. And part of it is, is, you know, he had two, three interception games. And, you know, a lot of that is on him. And you've got to understand that not every play is going to go for six. But there's film out now, and you know obviously Odell will help with that because there is no film with him with Odell. But what are some of the pitfalls going into year two for him? Well, I mean, obviously, look, the, the, the idea that defensive coordinators will now have not just a year of film on him, but you know a good chunk of film on him and Freddie Kitchens and what they are looking to do. And you know, as you rightly allude to, look, they don't have film with the Odell. Cleveland Browns offense. It's just the offense from last year. No, but I think the main thing for Baker, as with all young quarterbacks, is not so much just that teams might have the book on you. It's can you still get faster? You know, because the, the underlying sort of factor that all these young quarterbacks have to sort of deal with, whether it's Baker, whether it's Darnold, whether it's Allen, whether it's Lamar Rose, and any of the guys from that draft classes you have to continually be getting faster with your reads and with your decisions because, you know, if the team has film on you and they can figure out what you're doing schematically, or even if they don't, it shouldn't matter because you need to be getting faster with your decision-making and your thought process no matter what. You look at 
you know, some of the mistakes that Baker made last year. Now, some of them, yes, they were him trying to do maybe too much at times, and, you know, he'll learn, and he won't have to feel like he needs to do that, perhaps, with this team in the year ahead because of the weapons that they've added around him. But there are still times where he's slow with the decision-making process. There are still times when he's, you know, locking onto that first read a little bit too much. There are also moments when he's sort of seeking out that chaos, that sort of chaos in the pocket where sometimes maybe trying to create a little bit outside the structure of the play when he can just sort of rely on the structure and the integrity of the route design to be successful within the structure of the play. And so Baker's ability in year two to sort of balance himself as a quarterback, balance the desire to create with outside the structure with the need to be successful within the structure, to balance that making a quick decision, but also making the smart decision. Balance and consistency are going to be the huge things for him in year two. And, you know, the continuity between the offensive system from last year and this year is going to be huge. The addition of Odell is going to be huge. And if Baker could sort of strike that balance, it's going to allow this franchise and this offense to live up to a lot of the preseason expectations they've had laid at their feet. Because, look, there are huge expectations now. And this might be a bigger thing just franchise-wide. You know, with expectations comes pressure. And you look at this schedule, it's a tough start. You know, those first six games, you got three road trips. You've got, you know, back-to-back. You've got a Monday night, Sunday night situation where you go to the Jets. And obviously, there's always going to be a budded rivalry, in a sense, between Baker and Donald, two guys picked at the top of that draft class. Then you host the Rams coming off of Super Bowl parents. Then you've got trips to Baltimore and to San Francisco where you're making sort of another you know, Monday nighter. So you've got two Monday nighters and a Sunday nighter. Three or first six games are nationally televised. You know, if things go right, that's going to be great. But if this team's sort of three and three into the bye and then at New England, expectations could change rather quickly. Uh, and thanks for reminding me and Pete Smith about the amount of 1130 post-game shows that we're going to record. I can tell you, my friend. The, you would know. So, I it, mean, we're going to need, need some advice on those. Rough. It is rough. I can tell you, let me tell you this. I was at a Super Bowl party for Super Bowl 53, and I was that creepy guy in a corner with a notepad charting every single play as it happened. And people were like, what is this guy doing? Like, who is this freak? Because I didn't know everybody was there. And I'm like, look, when this game ends, I got to drive home and record a show either way. You know, so those like, you get frustrated on those little, you know, those nationally televised games when it's well in doubt you know who's winning teams are burning timeouts and it's like look it's, we're getting on to midnight here on the east coast everybody else is going to bed or is already in bed i'm gonna be nice and happy and bright and smiley and hit the reeds and everything for another 40 minutes it's not fun it's not uh, fun well especially um because both girls um will be on the same schedule so that will be a 5:45 a.m yeah m- weekday those, Sunday, those Monday and Tuesday mornings are brutal. Yes, uh, nationally televised games. It's not fun. Yeah, um, we'll see. It, it, it'll get a little bit hairy. Uh, I gotta be honest though. I'm looking forward to it. Granted, if it works out the way it should work out. Um, now, as far as it all coming together, and but one of the things though is you do always worry about a quarterback going into year two, but. You know, when you bring in assets, and you know, well, first things first, I, I want to go back to this. You brought up the first part of the schedule. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. That is where it's going to come around because after that, and then uh, after the bye, New England or whatever, it's 
and even into December, it's it gets very, very easy. So the meat of it is early. And look, and everybody brings up the personalities in these guys. And that can get a little bit hairy, especially when it's this much going on early. So that will be the thing. But when you talk about a quarterback going to year two and you add him, you know, quote, you know, whether you want to argue whether Odell's top five, top six, top seven, and but how much does that alleviate the pressure of the rest of this group? Because look, if you want to double Odell week in, week out, go for it. There's a crazy crazy good athletic tight end. For now, Duke Johnson is still here. And and you brought up Nick Chubb. Like Nick Chubb's gonna be there and I always go back to this, like with almost with like binoculars on, like, well, where's everybody in the box? Because there's nobody there. It's such a nice blend of what they can do as far as the skill. And, I mean, it's it's just crazy. And if you're Freddie Kitchens, you got to love every second of this. Yeah, I definitely think you do. And what's important to sort of consider when you're looking at what Cleveland can do in the year ahead is by adding somebody like Odell, you know, whatever personnel group you're going to throw out there, odds are you're not going to see a loaded box. You're going to want to have either two deep looks. You know, when he was with the Giants, the Giants faced a ton of cover, too. That's why they drafted Evan Engram, because they couldn't run the ball. But teams also wanted to have those two deep safety looks. But at the same time, you know, when you look at what teams are doing out of 11 personnel, you know, if you look at Sean McVay and how the Rams used 11 personnel. They used it a ton last year. And what they did was, while they used it on 93% of their plays, you know, they threw out of it almost half the time. And they were so successful throwing out of 11 personnel. But they also ran out of it a ton, too. They ran out of it more. And the reason why it was successful is because even though they've got Todd Gurley, you get that 11 personnel look out there, teams are going to go nickel and dime. You know, they're going to prepare for the pass. And so you can get Todd Gurley running, you know, against light boxes. He faced the most light boxes, I think, out of any running back in the league last year. And running out of 11 personnel, the Rams, they averaged 5.2 yards a carry. You know, so if you're Freddie Kitchens, you're looking at numbers like that. And you're thinking, okay, now I'm going to have my 11 personnel group with, you know, we'll have Landry on one side. We'll have Beckham on the other, whether it's Higgins or Callaway or whoever is the third wide receiver. You've got Njoku. The teams are going to want him load up with those 2D type looks because you've got guys that you can stretch the field with. You're going to want to have dedicated safety help over the top of, you know, an Odell. You're going to want to have an extra safety perhaps to deal with no Joku up seams attack in the middle of the field. You might go some ripples, some different coverages. You know, you might go more cover six type things to keep that middle of the field closed perhaps. It doesn't matter because you can do all of that and you still got to contend with the fact that, like you said, Nick Chubb's not going to be facing a heavy box. And so that's going to be something that they should definitely try to emulate is how Sean McVay used personnel to dictate nickel and dime packages to get light boxes. And now you can run the ball. And look, if you're going to average 5.2 yards a carry, like the Rams did running out of 11 personnel, you will take that every single game, every single drive, every single down. Because when you start talking about getting into second and two, I mean, second and five situations, that keeps the playbook wide open. You can do so much out of that. And the other thing to consider is, look, when you get Kareem Hunt back, now you can go with some 21, but it's not 21 with a fullback. It's you know 21 with two good running backs, one of whom is a very good receiver that you can motion out into the slot. 
And now you're really cooking with gas because as a defense, what do you do? Do you stay in base? Okay. They're going to spread you out. And you're going to get Hunt running slants and swings and wheels against the linebacker. Are you going to go Dom? Are you going to go nickel? Okay, then you're just letting them run the ball against these light boxes. And so the ability of coaches on the offensive side of the ball to dictate defensive personnel and attack it, it's the thing to watch, whether it's Shanahan, whether it's McDaniels, whether it's McVay, like we've talked, like we've talked about. Kitchens can do that with the personnel they have now, and they are going to have a an easy ability to scheme stuff up to get the defenses they want to attack and then attack them, whether via the pass or via the run. Well, and, you know, you hope Freddie becomes the cook of the kitchen. Um, right. Of course, of course. You don't want a baker. You want to cook. You want to cook. Um, Marsh Goldfield's here. Um, best way, and we appreciate him, the best way you can help me, the best way you can help Marsh Goldfield, iTunes, rating reviews. Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Browns, Lockdown Patriots. Uh, leave those written reviews. Leave those five-star ratings. For all of us, it appreciates this for all the work that we put in for everybody as far as the Lockdown Network is concerned. Day in, day out. Mark, now, as far as the Patriots, um, Rob Gronkowski, uh, and look, it's, yes, he's retired, but it almost seems like at any point, Bill, Tom, if they place that call, he could come back. But there's been some changes here. Uh, You know, obviously, you know, you lose Brown at left tackle. You lose Flowers as your pass rusher. Where are the Patriots at right now? And every time we talk about this, does it feel, Mark, like that they're maybe ever coming back to the pack or no? I mean, I I feel like we are certainly at the end of the window. You know, whether the window is closing, whether it's like there's a crack in it left, whether it's, you know, still got a couple of years or two of space in there, remains to be seen. You know, interestingly enough, Jeff, this – this offseason has been interesting. A lot of people are sort of wondering about the whole tight end situation. And I'll admit, Scott Fishbowl just wrapped up in round 20 based on absolutely no inside information at all. Just a wild, wild guess. I drafted Rob Gronkowski. Because like you said, it certainly feels like he could still at some point, whether it's late into August, he's like, you know what? They're all running around. I'm sitting around the house right now. I'm bored. I want to go do something. I want to go play ball. You know, whether it's, you know, September or so, he might get that itch again. He's still a young guy. You know, you and I, were a lot older than him. We probably, I know we both get that itch every once in a while. Yep. We've talked about it. We could just have one more week, you know, one more game. And so I'm sure somebody that's played at the level that he's played at, you know, would certainly have those feelings come, you know, training camp time, you know, this time of the year. And interestingly enough, with the way the Patriots handled the tight end position, because let's not forget, you know, we're coming out of a draft class, a draft season, where people thought this was a, an extremely deep tight end group. You know, I thought even before Gronkowski retired, they might draft two tight ends, given the number of picks that they had and the depth of the tight end position in this draft class. Whether it's some of the earlier guys like the Iowa kids, Irv Smith, who almost everybody had mocked to the Patriots at 32. Some of the later guys like a Dax Raymond and Jay Sternberger. I thought, look, the depth of this class, they're going to at least draft one, if not two. They completely passed. They looked at this tight end group and they said, you know what? We're going to move in a different direction. They bring in a guy like Matt Lacoste, who was a scrappy move type tight end um, for the Denver Broncos. They bring back Benjamin Watson, who's suspended for the first four games. They signed, you know, 
Andrew Beck as an undrafted free agent out of Texas. You know, the foreign player, Jacob Johnson. You know, uh, they basically punted in the tight end position. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, look, they need to address it now. Gronk's retired and they decided to take a pass on the entire position. Maybe they too believe that at some point, you know, Gronk's going to come back. And then they'll try to sort of make do with a tight end by committee until then. You know, offensive line is a concern. You lose Trent Brown. Now you're basically looking at a situation where Isaiah Wynn is coming in as a rookie. You know, a first-round pick last year, but he missed the entire season with an Achilles. So he's going to be tasked with protecting Tom Brady's blindside. And he's a fantastic offensive lineman, played left tackle in the SEC. But he was some of the people looked at was going to have to kick inside and play guard because of his lack of an arm length. So that's a concern. You know, they drafted Yanni Kajus, who's on a non-football injury list right now, um, out of West Virginia. So figuring out left tackle is going to be big for them. But at the same time, they've got 12. They've got 11. You know, they've always found ways to get it done on the offensive side of the ball. And so I still think, look, this is going to be a team that's going to put up points. The defense was what carried them at stretches last year. When you got to the Final Four, you could have made the case, yeah, maybe New England doesn't have the best offense left when it came time to conference championship weekend, but had the best defense left. And that defense played a huge role in Super Bowl 53. And yes, they lost Trey Flowers, but that's how Belichick handles things. He's not going to overpay at a premium position like defensive end. He might do it for corner, but he's not going to do it at defensive end. So what do they do? They bring in Michael Bennett on a very team-friendly contract. They draft Chase Winovich in the third round, who I think is a you know quintessential Patriot. They've got guys like you know Dietrich Wise that can step up for them on the edge. John Simon, they bring him back and play the rule for them. We're still waiting to get something from Derek Rivers. So they'll figure out a rotation up front. And then as you get into the second, third levels, that gets you to the strength of this team. That linebacker group is good. It could even be better this year. You know, I think Jawan Bentley was emerging as a talented three-down type linebacker for them before his injury. Jamie Collins comes back. I know there are some questions about him, but if he can get to get him to buy into the system, that could work. And this secondary was a strength for them. They got a, you know, a little bit better with Jawan Williams in the second round, who they, they were willing to draft at 32. They can get, you know, Duke Dawson, their second round pick, a slot corner. You know, JC Jackson was an undrafted player for them. He became their cornerback number two last year across from Gilmore anyway. So this is a good defense that, with Belichick's hands on it, is just going to play well and get better as the season goes along. So, long way to say it. I think the other teams in this division are still a year away. You know, I think the Jets are going to be good. It wouldn't shock me to see them win nine games. It wouldn't shock them, shock me if they're in sort of wild card contention late in the season. I think the Bills are going to be better. The Dolphins are probably two years away. But until those teams get up to speed, this is still New England's division to win. Oh, I, I have zero doubt about that, and it, it'll be a, a a minimum two to three game lead as far as that is concerned. But here is the thing, though. You know, Cleveland will travel to New England this year, and it is the Sunday 425 kickoff. Cleveland at New England, a national game. That just doesn't – it just seems so weird to even say that, Mark. Yeah, it, it does. But, you know, like for Sunday 425, that's going to be the CBS game of the week. You know, Nance and Romo are going to be there. You know, you the kidding? it's only Romo. Nance will be there for like a few lines. It'll be all right. Tony. You know, and, and Cleveland's going to be coming off of a bye. And you, you can sort of imagine the buildup and the circus type atmosphere that, you know, say if Cleveland comes in at 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh somehow, you know, not those, those aren't the 
wildest scenarios in the world. You know, they come off a bye and they're riding high. They're atop the AFC North. People are going to be talking about this like this is a potential playoff preview. Could it be even a, an AFC championship game preview? You know, could this be the, the change in the guard? Let's not forget, you know, and, the, and Bruce Arians said this about, you know, Tom Brady. You know, when Brady faces the young guys, whether it's a Mahomes, whether it's a Luck, he always wants to sort of up his level of play because he feels like, look, you know, I'm not, I'm not handing over that torch just yet. You know, so you know that Brady's going to be motivated to go up against Baker. Now, look, we've seen photos of them at the Kentucky Derby. They were in the NFL 100 commercial together. You know, Brady's sort of been that guy that's like willing to, you know, reach out to the younger guys. He's done it with Mahomes as well. But you know when that ball gets kicked off on the 27th, Brady's going to want to beat Baker's brains in. But at the same time, Baker's going to want to do the same thing. Because what have we said about Baker on this show before when I've been on? You know, Baker's that guy that wants to not just beat you. He wants to cut your throat at the 50-yard line and watch you die. That's what the great ones are. Is they're these ridiculous competitors that want to win at everything. So that's going to be a fascinating game. I, I wish there was a part of me that really wanted that to be the opener, you know, to get those two teams playing right away. I thought that would have been a fantastic thing to see. But, yeah, that's going to be a fantastic game. I, that's one that I, I think most fans, not just Browns fans, not just Patriots fans, but I think most fans – have that one sort of circle. They want to see Brady and they want to see Baker go at it. Well, I think that's where Tom, and this is, you know, and everybody, like, there's no reason you can, even if you were a staunch hate Tom Brady, which I was, you just come to the point where you respect the freaking greatness. And that's what I love, where it's like, you know, he'll shake your hand in, you know, in a social setting. We'll have a good time. Let's have some drinks. But, son, when I see you in six weeks, I, I am hoping I'm going to make it the worst nightmare you ever had. And that's what you love about Tom at this age. And he loves the come get it. Here's the throne. Come get it. Come be that guy because I ain't giving it up ever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you, you, you see it as sort of how, you know, Brady's sort of embrace of social media over the past couple of months. You see him now. I you know, hate that I on. hate him on Twitter. I hate that I love him on Twitter. I, I love him. He's he's good at it. He, he's good at it. He gets it. You know, he's he's out there commenting on home stuff, and, and he sort of gets it. And, and you know that games like that are going to mean a ton for him. But at the same time, look, he respects the position. He respects sort of the history of the game. You know, it's why after the AFC Championship game, he went in, he sought out Mahomes because he knows that, look, guys like Baker, guys like Mahomes, you know, they're the future of this position. He knows he's only got a couple more shots left in him. But at the same time, it doesn't mean he's just going to, you know, roll over and play dead for these guys. He still wants to beat their brains in. But, I mean, at the same time, like, you know, how you feel about him is I'm reminded of how I felt about, like, Jeter, how I felt about Mariano, you know, hated the Yankees, despise them. But at the same time, like, when you heard Enter Sandman, you knew you were going to get the best. You knew you had to be at your best to beat that guy. And most of the time, you weren't. You know, only a rare occasion did you get to Mariano. Only a rare occasion could you jam Jeter with a fastball, and he wouldn't somehow find a way to fist that thing off the inner part of the bat into right field for one of those ridiculous bloop doubles. And before you know it, he's standing at second. And just like, how does he do it? <laughs> you just got to, you know, just sort of tip your hat to the guy. It's... It's how other teams feel about Brady. It's, it's how someday guys like me will be feeling about you know, Baker and Mahomes. Ah, no doubt about it. Uh, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Mark, give me a bold take. Give me something here. Uh, 2019 NFL season. 
a team, a player, who's somebody that Mark Schofield thinks about to take off? It's not somebody that I think is about to take off, but I have weirdly, and I've been studying him right now, and there's, I still have concerns, I still have reservations. There are things that he needs to get better at. But I look at the Raiders. I, I look at how that offense sort of played down the stretch. I look at the additions they've made you know, on both sides of the ball. I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a perfect fit for what they want to do. I think Hunter Renfro is one of those guys that, before you know it, he's going to be that Cole Beasley, Julian Edelman type, even though he's probably older than them already. <laughs> but he's just always that like annoying slot guy that just finds a way to get open on that ridiculous little pivot or juke route on third and four to get you seven yards to extend the drive. They're in a tough division. They probably don't make the playoffs. But it wouldn't surprise me if people are saying Oakland's going to go four and you know four and twelve, five and eleven. I think they're going to be a lot better than that. I think if you're a fantasy player, like Oakland's going to be a fun offense to keep an eye on. So, you know, I, I'm Oakland and the Jets. I think are two teams in the AFC where I'm kind of like I could see it clicking for them. Now it could be wildly off, but sitting here right now, I feel pretty good about where those teams are going. Yeah, and that's one thing. Like I, I talk with the Jet people, and I'm like, well, if it's only eight and eight. And they're all like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, well, th- that's good. I mean, you just drafted third. So yeah. if you win eight games and you know, they still need that pass rusher, um, they still have cap money next year. You yeah. can't rebuild it all in one offseason. Obviously, it was very awkward the way the Jets went down with you know letting a front office handle everything and then throwing them out. And obviously, with Quinn and Williams still not being signed to this point. The Jets are on two better days, no doubt about it. And obviously, it starts. You, know, as always, it always starts with a quarterback. If you ain't got that, you know, you're still lacking in that point. But Mark, always a pleasure, as always. Um, Mark Schofield, host of Locked On Patriots. Mark, uh, fill out the resume for all the listeners. Let everybody know. I mean, because I mean, it's literally a Rolodex at this point. Yeah, it's a long list of titles, but Jeff, always a blast being on with you, man. You're doing such great work here. We're locked on Browns to go from the season you guys had last year. Now rolling in with the expectations, man. you got to be flying high. As for me, look, like you said, locked on Patriots. Uh, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit, footballguys.com. Those are the places you can find. And all, all the hygiene. And to the good folks over at the Athletic Boston, you need some help with your Patriots coverage. <laughs> Mark Schofield. We've been trying, man. I, we've had like the literal Twitter campaign to get me over there, but eh, we'll see. Fingers crossed, buddy. Fingers crossed. Yes. Um, come on, folks. Get yourself together. You, you don't want Mark Schofield. You need Mark Schofield. Uh, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go, Browns.